I have one less tooth than the last time you heard me. I'm Canada. That's Matt. And we're somewhat competent. But up up ba pow Dear listener, you have tuned in to Somewhat Competent with your hosts, Canada and Matt. <laughs> Our first story, this is a follow-up to um, a story we did a while ago where Microsoft bought Bethesda. Bethesda VP apologizes to, for Starfield being on Xbox or being an Xbox exclusive. So what? Who didn't go see ahead. that shit coming? Yeah, um, yeah. Like that's my first immediate reaction. I go, "What a spineless coward!" <laughs> <laughs> you took a big payout for your company to keep thriving. And this was part of the contract. Don't apologize for it. Sell more Xboxes, <laughs> you goddamn shill monkey. Anyway, continue. I, let's hear the actual details of the story. I mean, it's pretty much Starfield is this. Uh, uh, it was announced in 2018. There were rumors of it, like, as far back as 2017 that I remember hearing. And um, it it sounds like it's, it's something that's up your alley of gameplay. Yeah, it's Elder Scrolls in space is basically oh. my my understanding of it so far. It's, okay, okay. Yeah, like they're they're using the same mechanics that they've used in all the Elder Scrolls games, just in space. Um, um and if if you weren't aware, there is already uh, that game put out by Obsidian, who helped make some of the Fallout games. You know, somebody was actually talking to me about a game like that, and I was like, yeah. "Are these the same game?" So, oh, uh, it's it- called the, the Outer Worlds. It's a, nah. it's like a campy sci-fi, but it, it uses the general mechanics of an Elder Scrolls slash Fallout game. Yeah, I've still got to play that. I've heard about it several times. I hear it's good. It's it's fun. You know, I've only played the first couple of hours, but it's it's sort of fun. So basically, this is you. I've never, literally, never heard of Starfield before. Yeah. Until today. Okay. Um, but is it essentially the thing, same thing I just described? Like it's like first player, third player view. That's what I. Run it. That's that's what I gathered. I didn't look at a video. I just read a little bit about it. Right. So, but it seems like that's what it is. Yeah. You know. And then um, they they commented that there's some game coming out that's a uh, a PlayStation Five exclusive. But I'm pretty sure it's by a different studio, so I don't know what the hell the point of bringing that up was. Maybe it's one of their subsidiary studios or something. I think it is because you wouldn't think you wouldn't think Microsoft would have allowed for that in their buyout, you know? Mm-hmm. Like you, they might allow like old games to still be cross-platform, you know? But like, but like, you wouldn't think that they'd be like, oh yeah, you can put out a PlayStation Five exclusive. Well, um, the thing, okay, the the PlayStation 5 exclusive is uh, called Deathloop, and it's by Arcane's. Let me look that up real quick. Uh, Arcane? Like A-R-K? Arcane Studio. Uh, 
they put out uh, this game called Prey, which was another sci-fi oh, game. I play that. Um, it it's pretty good. It's basically Bioshock in space. Like if you ask me, Prey is Bioshock three. Mm-hmm. Like that's just uh, even though we already have a Bioshock three, but it's like you know it's it's called Bioshock Infinite, but yeah, it's Bioshock four then. You know what you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it's, it, it's this kind of big open environment that's kind of cordoned off into sections and you can move pretty freely throughout it and like solve the puzzle of the whole facility. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've seen, I've seen enough to know that like you wake up and you're in a box and you see uh, like one of the mimic things outside the box, like morph into a fucking table and then morph off. And uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some stuff like that. And yeah. There's a, there's a thing where you get upgrades by stabbing yourself in the eye yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and narratively speaking, there's this thing about the upgrades. Like it's these chips you're implanting into your brain. Uh-huh. Um, the one of the narrative twists is you can remove the chips, but all of your memories up to the point that you inserted the chip. Like after you inserted the chip, you're just gonna lose them. Oh dear. So your your memory's gonna go back to before you inserted the chip. So that plays like big into the narrative. Your character essentially has done this to themselves so many times that they don't even know who the fuck they are. Oh, wow. Yeah. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> um, but that's sort of revealed early on. Um, I'm not gonna, re there is some giant spoilers that I won't reveal for anyone, but uh, it's a pretty cool game. Uh, the gameplay's kind of hard. Like, it's kind of fucking hard uh, mm. until you sort of get how to be strategic and like what when you decide what you need to start leveling up that's going to work for your gameplay style you know yeah so i i, I recommend it get get prey play around with it you'll yeah. enjoy it see if i can get it to run on linux so so that game is so this um death loop the, the death loop the playstation 5 exclusive is going to be arcane studios uh-huh i i would look i would I would keep my eye on it. Yeah, just oh. in general. So the, the the common thing between these two games is that um, uh, they're being released on a single console and PC. So um, that that's kind of Microsoft's gimmick now. Is like they're gonna like they'll probably let some shit go to PlayStation Five from Bethesda or their the companies that they own. But, but it's, it's going to be on PC too. It's going to be on PC, and guess what? You can buy it. Yeah, absolutely. You can buy it from Steam. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, but I I know what you mean though. Yeah, the Xbox Pass thing. We talked a bunch about it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, no. It, and as much as I sort of hate it, mm -hmm. I, I I have enjoyed it. I have enjoyed having access to it. And I, like I said, they're probably fucking still have my business, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy to be outside the Microsoft ecosystem, but when I go back to school, I'm going to have to jump right back in. So. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. So Facebook's going to start putting ads in the Oculus Quest. Like, I mean, who didn't yeah. see that shit coming? <laughs> Yeah, well, especially for any free apps. Now, I, if obviously, if you paid for Beat Saber, you're not going to get ads in your fucking Beat Saber. I would expect that, um, that, that they're going to push this as far as they can 
until people are absolutely furious and then ease it back two clicks. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but when it comes to... So, my whole thing with ads and games is like... It's like the one way independent producers of, of, of app games... Mm-hmm can like get money without like directly asking you for microtransactions or for you to buy the game outright. Yeah. So in terms like it's to me, it's not like a necessary evil so much as like, Hey, that's the one lifeline independent creators have. Yeah. In my, and at least in my, in my like not so educated brain about the game industry, but like, you know, if you're Joe Schmuck who fucking made the newest, uh, Stardew Valley ripoff. How else are you going to get any a little cheese? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. That's a good counterpoint because, like, I, I think everybody's just like, ah, fucking ads. They're so invasive and all that. But at the same time, like, somebody's got to pay for something. Like, right, right, right. And like, uh, otherwise, you're just demanding free content. And like, the ad model has been around since television, since radio. Like, this is your free content. The price you pay is that people want to sell you their bullshit. You know? Yeah. Well, when I was talking, as a side note, I was talking with somebody earlier today about, like, when you play, like, when you play a free-to-play, uh, like, pay-to-win style game, but it's not really pay-to-win, where, like, you can put in the time and grind and get to the same place that somebody who throws 20 bucks at it gets. Yeah, yeah. Like, after I do that for a while, and I'm like, oh, this is fair. I always, I always like, Fallout Shelter, fucking, um, what's the, Hearthstone. And oh, dude. Others. Like, I love those You games. just named two games that I've pumped a lot of money into. <laughs> <laughs> God, I've probably spent two hundred to three hundred dollars on Hearthstone in a year, and I and I, then I stopped playing once they nerfed my best deck. Oh, that would piss me off so much. Yeah, yeah, I had a deck that could compete in the meta, and when it worked, I would just crush you, you know. Mm -hmm. But I totally stole it. I stole the deck from like some basically like a meta deck that like was doing well. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But yeah, they they nerfed it, and I was like, oh, there goes all that money I spent on cards. Yeah. You know what else is expensive? What's that? Going to space. Yeah, going to space is pretty fucking expensive. So It's almost it's almost like it's only if you had like a movie style budget that you could even afford it. Yeah, you know who does have a movie style budget? Who does? Tom Cruise. Crom twos? Yeah. Crom Isn't he like eighty seven? I don't know. I was amazed that so in like 2015 they did Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and they strapped him to the side of a plane and had to take off and that's like a real shot that's not <laughs> you know there's no CGI apparently like and, listen say all you want about Tom Cruise I don't like like him per se but he's an absolute savage yeah he's out of control <laughs> uh, and like you gotta have some respect for that yeah, apparently he's going to take a ride on um, uh, a SpaceX rocket. There's not a lot of information. NASA isn't letting anything out. SpaceX, Elon Musk tweeted something about how it's going to be fun. But, like, 
other than that, there's there's not much more to go on than it's official. Tom Cruise is going to space to do a movie in the space station. Which, I can posture. Like, how much? Go ahead. No. Go how much money do you have to like throw at NASA before they're like, yeah, we're gonna give you one of the most valuable seats <laughs> <laughs> that a human can sit in? <laughs> There's a lot of money you'd probably have to throw at NASA. Okay, or uh-huh. so here's where Matt's bringing out his tinfoil hat. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day when we were having the space race with Russia, mm-hmm. it it sort of has become well known that. Stanley Kubrick, who made 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even going to get into that other conspiracy theory. This is something that's not a conspiracy. That he was essentially, like, guided and encouraged by NASA, maybe even funded by NASA, mm-hmm. to make to make the movie so, so that the idea of going to space was more prevalent in the in the public's mind. And like people would be more on board with it, sort of like you, sort of the way. Um, did you know that all war movies made in America have to be like approved by the um by the military? I had no idea. That's actually yeah, that's a, like a thing. Like pretty now, much is any that, mo- is that like a legal thing for all war movie, war movies, or is that just for like the MPAA? No, for for war, for, you know, like war films. Yeah, um, I'm saying um, like like if if you and I made a war movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> like, uh-huh. would we have to submit it to some department before we could publish it, or would we, or would it just be that we wouldn't be able to get it rated by the MPAA? Uh you know, I don't actually know to the full extent. I just know that the U.S. military branch is pretty touchy about how they're conveyed in Hollywood. Is that why? And that they they have some re- some reach about that. Yeah, that's gotta be why. Like every fucking war movie that's come out in the last. 15 years has looked like a recruitment video. Yes. That's essentially what I'm getting at. And so like when, when Kubrick made 2001, a space odyssey, it's not the equivalent to like a space recruitment movie, but it's kind of meant to do the same thing. Yeah. It's supposed to recruit people into the idea of that expansion out being natural. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, so part of me goes, well, I mean, they did it in the sixties. It could be that this this movie with Tom Cruise, one of the most well-known and influential actors of our time, mm-hmm. maybe they have a vested interest in, in him doing a movie as well. Yeah. By the way, he's 58. 58. And he, like, a couple of years ago, they strapped into a plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he, like, smiled with, with a dead stare in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is random, but just worse since we're on Tom Cruise for a second. Mm-hmm. You ever seen American Psycho? A long time ago. Okay. Well, the the actor Christian Bale who played uh, the titular American Psycho said he 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 more or less based the character on Tom Cruise. <laughs> he said, "I saw him on an interview on David Letterman, and he would smile, but there'd be nothing behind the eyes." <laughs> <laughs> Woo! And that, that that gives us American Psycho. Wow, Christian Bale yeah. mixed with Tom Cruise is how you get American Psycho. Yeah, that's how you get Patrick Bateman. Yeah, don't let those two breed. <laughs> the babies would be too sexy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
we got Tom Cruise going to space, but we got other space news too. We do. Um, they're GM and Lockheed Martin. Like NASA hasn't even officially asked for moon buggies, but they're totally trying to build moon buggies already. And um, <laughs> I think that's super cool. They're the the request is expected at some time before the end of this year. So then they'll be able to apply for the contract. But they want to have a head start so that there's not um, any real uh, chance of them not being picked as the contract. But wow, okay. I got some... So, oh, go ahead. Now, now, I can't remember which article it was already, but wasn't there some aspect that they, we had some moon buggies from the 70s rolling around? They're not rolling around anymore. They're... They are electric vehicles with 1970s batteries. So mm -hmm. the idea that you could get them rolling again, like even if that space is a vacuum, but the, uh -huh. the temperature on the moon in the day, anything that's on the surface of the moon gets rapidly brought up to like 260 degrees. Uh -huh. And then as soon as the shade hits it, it drops to like two negative 280 so everything's just undergoing like massive damage from contracting and expanding. Yeah. So they're they're probably, I mean, maybe someday they'll get drugged back and put in a museum, but I think they'd probably fall apart pretty quick. Oh my god. Yeah, they have the the uh, you know really poetic name LRV one, LRV two, and LRV three, which is the <laughs> lunar roving vehicle. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. Dude, other, I, oh, real quick, another technical problem that they're going to face on the new one. So those ones had batteries. The old ones had batteries that I'm pretty sure were just charged. Um, they didn't really have a lot in the name of solar panels back then, I don't think. And um, <clears throat> But the, the new ones are going to be solar powered. That's the plan by Lockheed Martin and GM. But a day on the moon is two weeks long, which is lots of power. But a week or a, a night is also two weeks long. Wow, weird, man. So how are you gonna like? How are you gonna keep that thing, that electric vehicle, going? I think that they're gonna have a combination. This is my just fucking total armchair, whatever. I yeah, think yeah. They're gonna use some of those uh, atomic. I can't remember what the acronym is. RPS. Oh the oh the yeah 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 we were talking about them maybe two episodes ago. Yeah, I think they're, I they're gonna have a combination of solar panels hydrogen fuel cells as batteries and an RPS to keep the whole thing primed so that it, like at least life support and shit will work. Using like nuke somewhere. Yeah. Using like nuclear heat sink to power it. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, you know what? That's a, that's a good educated guess. I'd say. Yeah. It's, and that's all it is. It's an educated guess. Yeah. It's a it's a long article. It's on CNN. I mean, like if you like space stuff, it's worth reading. Um so there's that. <laughs> but now just imagine driving around on the moon. Like if you dipped off you could dip off into one of those craters. Yeah. And that vehicle's just stuck down there now. Yeah, you're just fucked. Or you yeah. could like me going too fast and hit a sharp boulder. And because the gravity is one-sixth up there, like, it'll yeah. just flip the fucking thing over. And then your rover's flipped over. And, like, hopefully you can get <laughs> out, but you're also several miles of spacewalk away from your spaceship. Hope you've got enough air. Like, the whole thing is a very tenuous supply chain 
to somebody who's actually out there walking around. Yeah, uh, I would be terrified. Uh, absolutely terrified. I would need uh, uh, pr- propelled Batman-style fucking grappling hooks so that I could like shoot the ground yards away and pull myself towards it. That's what I feel I would need. <laughs> Don't sick. ask me what. That would make me feel better, though. Well, because you, you wouldn't bounce off the fucking moon and go 20 feet in the air. Yeah, you know, and exactly. And if you did, you'd have your grappling hooks. That, that's the logic. Because the whole deal with being on the moon is not only is it terrifying, but like you could literally float away into the blackness of space. I don't know about that. I think you'd come down eventually. You, you think, you think yeah. the one-sixth is enough to... You wouldn't, you wouldn't find maximum velocity or whatever? I mean, you could probably try. Oh, I would never. <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole point here, is I don't want nothing to do with floating around in the void of space. <laughs> I mean, I know that we already are, but at least I can lay down on my bed, you know? Yeah. It's a pretty yeah. solid spaceship. It's really robust. Yeah. And it's got air yeah. all over the place. Yeah, it's organic. You want to talk about something else sketchy that they dealt with, like, way back in the day? Like, nowadays, while I was reading this article, I was like, wow, that's sketchy. That supply line is tenuous. You know, like, what if your rover runs out of power when you're miles away and all that shit? And it's like, they went up there in the 70s, and the, the rover had a mechanism in it, the one that they used back then, to count the 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 number of ticks in a direction that it went, like the number of times the wheels turned. And then they would punch that into like an old school, like essentially a calculator that had a special function that would tell them which direction the spaceship went. But if they if they messed up that calculator, it wouldn't know where to put them and they'd just oh, be God. lost on the moon. Yeah. And like, the I, I know the moon is relatively small compared to the Earth, but it all looks the same. And uh, that's maybe one of the most terrifying things I could ever think of is like, oh, I'm lost on the fucking moon. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Because it, it would. It, like, it's a small it's a small moon, but like, or it's a small thing, but it's, it's still fucking huge. You know, yeah. it's not like you can walk around the thing in a day. No. You might be able to, what, drive around it in a day if you were, like, really booking ass? Um, I don't think so. My, okay, let's let's be somewhat competent here. What's the radius of the moon or the diameter? So uh, it's two thousand one hundred. The the diameter is two thousand one hundred fifty eight point eight miles, and you want the circumference? Yeah. Circumference. Six thousand seven hundred and eighty six miles. Yeah, no, you're not driving around that in a day, even no. if you're booking. Even if you're booking, and then you're booking, so you're more likely to flip your your vehicle, and then you yeah. got all those craters and shit you got to go around. Like circumvent circumnavigating the moon is going to be something they do in like hundreds of years. And then you got to make sure you don't run into any fucking Nazis that have been stationed there since the forties. Yeah, or any of those pits of broken glass that are up there. That's real. Real, real pits of broken glass. Yeah, like cause- j- like because of the sun heating it up so quickly that it just essentially forms like big glass shards well it's a big cooled chunk of molten rock and one of the kinds of of igneous rock is obsidian and there's patches on the moon of obsidian for just miles 
and it's and that shit isn't that shit just super sharp whenever it creates a corner on its own it's already really sharp it's already really sharp and there's no wind there's no atmosphere at all on the moon so there's no way to to tumble it down yeah Mm. that's beautiful sharp sharp fields of uh obsidian on the moon yeah it's yep. got to be pretty to look at, but it's also got to be terrifying when you're in essentially a big balloon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when your suit is essentially a balloon. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of uh, extra, extraterrestrial, well, that's the wrong word, but fucking shit on other planets, machines. Yeah. Like uh, the Mars helicopter, is, it's baffled scientists. Um, they always say baffled, but like it's um it's kicking up dust, which you know, you're like, Oh, it's a helicopter, it's kicking up dust. But like the atmosphere, I didn't find out exactly how thin it is, but it's so thin that they were confused as to the amount of dust it picked up. Well, I'm gonna say even crazy enough, like with an atmosphere that thin, how the fuck do you get a helicopter to work? That's what I wanna know. Like it's got two blades that like go in opposite directions, which I guess yeah, I don't know. Like, we're talking might help ge- might help generate lift or something. I guess. Yeah, somehow like it creates a cushion of something somewhere in the blades. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting that something as minuscule as a dust cloud is causing like a massive rethinking of atmospheric science. Oh yeah, like so it's just like oh well, this bit of information kind of uh, puts a big thorn in our craw. Yeah. Say, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, maybe we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah. We got a fucking, yeah. we got a little helicopter flying around on another planet, but we're not sure we know how atmospheres work. <laughs> oh, I wonder how big this fucking helicopter is. It's got to be pretty small, right? It's very small. I've seen pictures yeah. of it. I can't, I can't tell you exactly how small it is, but it's not fucking big. It's not big enough for a human to ride on. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, like, yeah. the the drone that dropped it off is the size of an SUV, or the the rover, the autonomous uh-huh. rover, is the size of an SUV, and it pooped this thing out the bottom and then drove away, and once it was far enough away that the helicopter couldn't easily crash into it, <clears throat> that's when they did the, the first test, test takeoff, where it went, like, a meter off the ground and then came back down. But, like... They saw dust then, and they're like, yeah, dust, all right? And then um, it was flying, like, five meters off the ground, and it was, like, that's 15 feet. That's pretty far up there, and it um, it still makes a dust cloud all around it. Wow. Yeah. I saw you. Go ahead. That just, just as an aside, I've been flying around a $100 remote-controlled drone for the last week or so, a few days here, a few days there. Maybe a couple yeah. weeks. Did it's you buy hard. a drone or does someone you know have one? Someone I know has one and they let me borrow it so I could figure out how to fly it so I could teach them. Nice. Um, yeah. So I have a drone in my closet now. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I fly it around inside the house sometimes. Are you serious? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's super challenging. I was, the first time I had it, I was flying it around in my room with like my computer monitor. <laughs> oh my God. How, how big is it it's um it's maybe a foot across dude and you're still it, it doesn't it make like d- devilish noise uh, it's pretty loud 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like you're doing it in the house. Yeah. The but guy it, next door is like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah, I flew it out to uh, the living room and there were people watching TV and they just turned the TV up. <laughs> like, they didn't even try to reason with me. <laughs> um, that's, that's amazing. But it's, I mean, it's super challenging and I've got like, you know, the most advanced computer on the planet in my head and I'm having trouble studying this thing in a breeze and they've built one that flies in an alien atmosphere and like zooms around and shit at hummingbird speed. Jesus. Yeah. Really just zipping and zopping, huh? Yeah. They only have it go for a little bit at a time, but when they have it move, it just fucking zoop and there's where then it's where it wants to be. That's wild, man. So we got a freaking, we got a rover up there just fucking kicking ass. We got little helicopters. So, uh, so China's trying to beat us to it though and set up a human colony. Yeah, that's what they say. But this is, I mean, it's, it's kind of clickbaity, but it's clickbaity by the Chinese government because they have a moon base planned in like the 2030s. So they're not going to have a Mars base. They have a bunch of really interesting ideas of how you're going to get people to and from Mars and have a supply line set up. Um, But they don't have a timeline for it. Like the earliest that we'll see a Chinese or Mars colony, 2040s. So I mean, yeah, I like if everything goes perfectly, like it's uh, we can we can account for a lot. You know, human beings, when we get together in groups and we, like, spitball and stuff, we, we figure out a lot of stuff, right? But, like, imagine the logistics, like, when you, were, when you were explaining, like, oh, when the sun's out on the moon, it's fucking 260 degrees, and when it's night, it's this. And just even imagine the, the logistics of having to create a base that can consistently withstand those things and maintain livable conditions inside of it. Yeah. And, like just all the things that could go wrong yeah i mean it's gonna go wrong (laughs) you're right like Like, you need you need enough like if you want to build a base on another planet you need like two and a half bases worth of supplies because some of them are going to crash land and be ruined and then others you're going to need to replace and, and then like, okay, it's one thing when you're uh, putting up a new Home Depot and you don't have all the parts you need. Mm-hmm. Your men don't fucking die of exposure because of that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because you're, wait, you're waiting on a rocket that has 82 of the right fucking kinds of nut heads. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're like, we don't have enough nut heads to fucking put the shielding up. Like, holy fuck. Yeah. And it's it's like it's just it's just so crazy to think any any kind of a plan I would be like uh, add about forty years to that and like a lot of death, a lot of death. Well, the I I foresee I foresee them going for it. You know, I'm in favor of a new space age Cold War because that's way better than an on Earth hot war. Um, <laughs> so I'm yeah. saying go for it. You know, just try as yeah. hard as you can to conquer Mars. Um, because well yeah yeah and it's funny if a comp okay listen this is gonna sound xenophobic right okay but I'm still gonna say it but 
because I, I, I don't think we should go to Mars at all. I'm, I'm kind of against it or whatever, but it, it's probably going to happen. I'm not going to sit there and begrudge the future. Who fucking cares? I'm going to be dead anyway. Yeah. Uh, um, but purely from like a war mind state, if a country you're at war with establishes place on Mars and like sends most of their people there, good for them. The Good thing riddance. is, is you're not, they're not going to send most of their people there. They're going to send enough people that they're going to be the people of Mars. The know? people of Mars. Well, we can't have that. We have to own all the, all the fucking soil we can put our boots on. Yeah. Well, ideally, what's going to happen is over the rest of this century, like, multiple colonies will pop up on Mars. And then there'll be, like, tensions on Earth that'll put the colonies at odds with each other. And then at some point, they'll realize that they're millions of miles away from all that bullshit and they'll be like wait a minute we're martians fuck you and they'll be like all martians fuck yep yeah and then they won't experience the kind of bullshit that we experience until like generations and generations down the line when there's been enough variations in the because like first the gene pool will just kind of get all mixed up Mm -hmm. and then through preferential breeding whole new martian races will emerge yeah and they can fight with each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, after Earth is, Earth is like this forgotten ash ball, and they're like, let's go colonize Earth. Yeah, 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 and then they'll come back. It'll be fun. It'll, it'll, be, it'll, be, it, it'll be fun. Yeah. I'll be dead. I don't care. Yeah. So let's get back to that. Why, do you, why are you against the colonization of Mars? Um, you know what's weird is... Purely from like a scientific standpoint, I'm not. Okay. Um, it's weird because I have wackadoo feelings about the spiritual significance of leaving Earth to colonize Mars. Okay. Yeah, so like I don't even know if we could totally get into it, but um, it's just this idea of like trying to leave behind nature and like recreate nature in a new place that doesn't have it. it something about it is. Uh, just a little too much for me. I think I think we're kind of missing the point or something. I'm I'm on the exact opposite of the spectrum because, like, to me, the whole universe is nature, and if we can spread <clears throat> even microbial life to all of the things that will support it in our solar system, then we're spreading the life of Earth. Like, we're propagating more life out there. And I think and- that if we can't colonize, like, if we can't I, like we could make useful organisms like useful to us and spread them across the solar system so when we get there we have an environment with like oxygen and shit yeah but um you know just like something that'll take off like a bacteria that'll take off on a random planet that sounds just fantastic you know like in millions of years billions of years there'll be life there and they'll not have any fucking clue how they got there which will be weird but Uh uh-huh just like we don't really know how the hell we got here you know yeah it won't be any different maybe it was the venusians you know that seeded life here and with the way you just described it i can reconcile that with my belief i go yeah 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 all of the universe is nature and maybe it is our maybe it is our natural purpose to spread life around the solar system or go explore it. Like maybe that is our natural fucking purpose. Yeah, I like maybe to that's so. an aspect of that. You know, you know. Hey, I mean, because they go to great lengths to keep 
bacteria from reaching other planets. And I look at that, and I'm like, fuck it, sneeze all over the lens, send it out there, you know? <laughs> Listen, we trying to fuck the universe. Yeah. And these are our little fucking baby seas. We trying to bust nuts on Mars. Do you have a problem with overprivileged homeless people in your town? Are they bringing down the property values because they're an unsightly blight on your community? Well, worry no more. Hi, I'm Richard Thieve Matrix Stewart. I'm a partner at Stewart & Stewart. We're a law firm that's firmly Christian, and we're dedicated to upholding the law of God. Many of the homeless you find on the streets have many resources available, but they simply lack the means or the mental constitution to gain access or to make use of these resources. That's where Stuart, Stuart, and Stuart comes in. We get out there at the ground level and we get these resources in these homeless individuals' names. We get rent support. We get food stamps. We get social security. Sometimes we even find distant relatives that are willing to help these homeless individuals financially. We line up all these resources and we give them to you as God intended. At Stuart, 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 and Stuart, we believe that these people should not be trying to rise above their God-appointed station, and they sure shouldn't be trying that blasphemy in your neighborhood. God put these people in their place, and we intend to keep them there. All the while, we profit. Call us today at Stuart, 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 and Stuart. But why just Mars? That's the that's the topic of the next article. Do you know that there are 26, all of humanity has 26 active spacecraft just floating around the solar system, and like two or three of them are actually outside the heliopause, and we'll get to what that is later. But like, just think about that, like 26 active things. We talked about uh, Cassini in the last episode or the one before that, the one that was orbiting Saturn. Well, yeah. that wasn't enough. They sent one named Juno to Jupiter. Yeah. Right? And that's just out there doing science. It's been, uh... I don't know. It's been out there a long fucking time now. And they're going to send another one out there uh, in 2025. You know, that number actually sounds small to me, but maybe it's the qualifier of active. Yeah. Because, like, what about all of our satellites and shit? That's they're well. They're not really spacecraft though. They don't go anywhere. Like they're okay, in okay. orbit, so they move, but they're not like propelled yeah, or on a mission. They're just they're just doing like controlled falls. Yeah, yeah. And like the the Japanese are kicking ass. They've got two out there, and they're exploring. They got one that went to an asteroid, took a sample, and then is on its way to a different asteroid to take another sample before it comes back. Yeah, that's pretty badass. Those are some big space nuts. Yeah, and like some of them, some of these things have been out there for like 5, 10, 15 years. And like there's a couple of missions that are active right now that are coming up. They're going to be over the 10 year mark when they make it back to Earth. Wow. That's, I mean, to keep a, keep a machine remotely operating for 10 years in like the most hellish environment imaginable. That's, I mean, that's an impressive testament to the ingenuity of human beings. Yeah, that is for sure, man. Because that's just, it's its pretty much unfathomable. And I always wonder, like, okay, uh, you know, radio communications can move at most at light speed. 
how the fuck do we keep in touch with these things? Like when there's like a two and a half hour delay or something, you know? Yeah. Well, it, like, you know, that's like Cassini was amazing because computers were fucking bullshit in the late nineties and they, they made one that worked for years. And, but as, as computers have gotten more sophisticated and we've gotten better at having redundant systems that can pick up the slack when one fails, um, that that's made it so that we can have increasingly more autonomous vehicles out there. And they're yeah. pretty much like, we give them a set of coordinates mm. to like go to and to look at, and they go there and they look at it where they take a sample or whatever. Like we're just giving them a series of fairly loose instructions nowadays of like, you know, get here. And it's got all the equations built into it to get there. And then probably even to recognize like a landable asteroid in that space yeah, and land on it, you know? Yeah. And when they land on asteroids, they really just kind of bounce off them. Um, yeah. The Japanese one that did that just kind of bounced off the side and had a shovel thing that popped out and grabbed some dirt on the way. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny because like all this is so advanced and then like some of the most basic things are like so just fundamental like well you know you a little robot shovel arm came out and poked the asteroid yeah yeah it's a really sophisticated shovel but it's essentially a shovel yeah at, yeah. at the end of the and, day we're trying to collect rocks and we just bump into it real slow neat yeah fucking kind of cool but yeah why why mars though I, uh, aside aside from the, like the obvious answers well, and that's the thing, is the article doesn't really get into the obvious answers. So why don't you go there? Well, to me, it's the it's the one that's, you know, it's near us. It It is the most like us that we can find closely. Mm -hmm. It's got, a, like, a surface we can actually land on and set a run a car around on. So, like, that's mostly why, you know, if you had to ask me. That's, like, the main reason. On its surface, it's the least alien of these alien worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the most familiar. And then again, you know, maybe we were Martians already, and that's our homeland, and we're trying to get back. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. It might be. You never know. The, um... That's, I mean, that's kind of the thought I have, is that this thing looks the most, you know, the closest to us or to our, our planet. But one of the thoughts I had is like, what if we didn't have Mars? You know, like what if all the orbits were exactly the same and life didn't come from Mars? You know, like I'm just saying hypothetically, if it did, like let's remove that from the equation. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're all, we're on a million hypotheticals now. Let's move on to the next. Yeah, like, okay, so like the, the final thought experiment is what if we just didn't have that to look at and we didn't have the ability to see, like, it would take us so much longer to develop the telescopes and the equipment to go to the moons of Jupiter and Saturn that are, some of them are terrestrial in nature. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, like, how would that shape science and the space program? I guess we'd still have the moon, but the moon is like, you know, it doesn't look like Arizona. No, not the way that Mars does. Yeah. Yeah, um... Dude, I think it would have affected us. We'd probably be less, not saying necessarily less motivated, but like less realistically motivated. So like, you know, obviously we had the moon. That was the closest thing. 
why did we choose it? Because it was there, you know? Yeah. And we said, I gander, I can fucking get there. You think <laughs> I can? You know? Yeah. And that's what we fucking did. And, and so, like, we already know that Venus is harsh and unforgiving. Yeah. And full of mis- mysteries. That's why we want to go poke at her plates. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we chose the less, <laughs> the least hostile looking one that was the closest. That's, I mean, that's really it. And like, and I think because we had that next jumping stone, kind of like, kind of into the theory of what you're talking about, maybe it kept us going, or we were able to show some progress for what we're what we're putting our our time and effort into. Whereas if like, man, do you think we would be to the a Jupiter moon rolling a rover on it around by now if we didn't have Mars in between? I don't think we would. I don't think we'd be there yet either. Yeah. And I don't know why exactly I think that, but you know, it's just postulation. Well, I mean, if there was no Mars, like people, when they first had telescopes and they could look at Mars, like big enough telescopes hundreds of years ago, and they're like, that's a planet. Like, they thought it had oceans and shit, but it kept it kept the, the populace who knew about it, like, really interested in this idea of this other planet with oceans and perhaps life. Yeah, yeah. So it's had a pretty profound impact throughout all of history, too. I mean, yeah, and that's why we have the term... I don't know. I don't know if I should say that's why we have the term Martian, but Mars is just weirdly significant to, to us as a species. Mm-hmm. Like, even that, like just on the fact that like in science fiction, the little green men were called Martians. We were like, that's where they came from. I don't know why we do that, but that's what we do. So uh, I want to wrap up the space news with uh, the, the, the fairly trivial because it's it's not like it's going to change your local roadmap, but uh, the heliopause is um, so there's solar wind right, and the solar yeah. wind gets out far enough and it starts to be beaten back by interstellar wind, and I couldn't find this is this is the article that I spent a bunch of time on, I couldn't find what the speed of interstellar wind is, but I know uh-huh. the speed of stellar wind is like a million miles an hour. I'm not saying like a million miles an hour to exaggerate. That's about yeah. the number. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, uh, we're talking a legit mill. Yeah, we're talking a legit million miles an hour, and it bashes into interstellar wind, and they map the heliopause, and you can see which way everything is moving because it's just like... It goes out, what is this, at least three times behind as it does up front. Like, we're behind a giant fucking shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, it has a big old tail. So, like, the universe, or not the universe, our solar system is kind of, like, producing, like, a comet-like effect. Yeah. Interesting. And that's the solar winds. Yeah. Well, because, like, it goes out the direction that we're going in the galaxy is the, the the much slimmer side and then behind it it's able to expand and plume out oh so it's kind of like a reverse comet kind of yeah i mean okay no. i like the shape is the shape is is it's not a tail it's more like a wedge okay okay yeah. 
my brain was picturing like a teardrop, but like the the sharp end is the end moving forward. Oh, uh, kind of, kind of. I'm looking okay. at a picture of it. It's really difficult to describe. Um. So yeah, when you first kind of mentioned this, I pictured more of like an almost like an ozone layer, and it was like circular. But obviously, due to the immense motion that our solar system is rocketing us through, there would be an effect on that. Yeah, um, the, the best way to imagine it, the best thing to compare it to, is if you've seen the magnetic field lines around the Earth and how that deflects the solar winds. Um, yeah. And uh, which is, I wonder if there's such a thing as like a stellar fucking aurora borealis out there we're not paying attention to. Like, um,. That's it, though. It's, it's like we've got that, and then um, the star, the, the, the sun, is the giant magnetic field that protects us from the even more powerful interstellar winds. Wow. Um, okay. So what the hell are interstellar winds? This is really interesting. It's the combined... So there's, there's a, a current, like in water of all of the stellar winds from all of the stars mixed together and it creates like 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 eddies of um moving particles super yeah okay yeah and they amplify each other by feeding into one another yeah so so in in essence our solar winds could be adding to the larger interstellar wind as well and most likely are yeah i'll yeah, go okay. back so we, we it cuts it plows a space through uh, the interstellar winds and then those go around and then our star adds to the strength of when it comes out the tail end shooting out the back yeah I can picture that that's wild man yeah I, it's one of those little <clears throat> things that you're just like oh yeah science figured out water's wet and then it's like whoa <clears throat> actually. <laughs> I am tiny. <laughs> yeah, dude. Wait a minute. Is water wet? Is it though? I forget. I'm not even gonna go there. I'm gonna. Yeah, stop. there's a, there's a huge thing on it. But let's yeah, yeah, let's yeah. not fucking bullshit our way through that. Uh, a little <laughs> a little bit of trivia. Um, Voyager one, which is the fastest fucking thing that we've ever shot out into space, yeah. is only moving at thirty eight thousand miles per hour. And, and we're talking about forces of shit moving at like a million, a million plus miles an hour. So at some point, if that ship were to just keep flying towards the edge of it, those, so, those interstellar winds would just annihilate it. Yeah, and that's actually what's happening. A few years ago, they had a bunch of articles. They're like, the Voyager spacecraft is slowing down. We thought it would just keep going faster forever because of the ion engines. And... Um, I remember digging around a lot and there was a lot of there was a lot of people saying a lot of things about it basically what's going to happen is eventually it's going to slow down and it's going to become subjects to those interstellar winds and they're going to determine where it goes and if that engine fights it too much it'll go into a slow tumble wow okay but that's, I, mean, I mean that's over hundreds of years you know yeah, and, and let alone that the, the, the machine even survives said conditions. Yeah. Yeah. That is pretty wild, my guy. 
So we got, we've been talking about autonomous technology in space. Let's talk about some semi-autonomous technology here on Earth. Okay. Um, there's... Back to the point, at Biden's meeting in Brussels, Brussels is in Belgium, um, it's the capital of Belgium, and they had two kinds of anti-drone technology. They had one which um, fries the communication between the drone and its controller, um, yeah. forcing it to land in most conditions. And then the other one is just a big fucking net cannon. Uh, yeah. yeah. And Sounds good. And so I've been flying a drone around. I'm like, yeah, you throw a net on that fucker, it's going to fall to the ground. Like, it hits the grass and it fucking doesn't take off, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So that's going to work, except you have to be able to shoot a moving target in the sky. Um, yeah. And it, it, it points out in the article that, like, yeah, a, a net cannon is not going to do shit against a swarm of drones that are all autonomous trying to do a thing you know, nefarious. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know where we're going from here as a planet. I also, I didn't catch the article on here, but there's a, there's a, so we've got autonomous killing machines. That was in one of the episodes where a fucking missile drone flew down and blew somebody up. Yeah. And, and now we've got a group of scientists that are trying to create a, uh, uh, a helpful thing that will help people, that will help robots, that will help drones find people who are screaming after a natural disaster. Yeah. But what if you just pair up the autonomous killing machines with the technology <laughs> that lets them find people who are screaming? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't, don't, don't move and don't say anything. They can't see you. Yeah, but they can oh because NVIDIA put out uh, technology that's just really accessible, really advanced facial recognition technology that'll find a face, you know, in a bush. So, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, guys. World War III is going to suck so bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. The good news is you won't have to put up with it for long. Yeah, it'll be quick. Yeah. Holy shit. The nukes will and like, fall, and then the fucking planes will fly over, dropping the drones that'll just seek out all the screaming people and kill them. Yeah. And, like, you know, if you're smart, just start screaming. Get it over with. Just get it over with. <laughs> and don't hide in a bush. Yeah, because apparently they can fucking flush you out of that. I'm looking at this. I got to imagine that this is the sky cannon. I mean, the um the net cannon. Yeah. That it's like on the front graphic of this picture, uh huh. And I swear it says like Skynet on the side. <laughs> yeah, it says it's Sky something. I think it's Skyguard is what it actually says. Uh huh. Um, I like the one that the the woman is holding, the giant thing that's shaped like a gun, but then at the front it's just the oh big my god, triangle. I didn't even see that. Yeah, that's the radio jammer. That's the radio jammer. Yeah, you gotta. It's got a sight on it, and you point it at the thing. I think it's 
going to be more effective. The problem that it mentions in the article, it mentions that it can interfere with civilian technology, but I'm like, I wouldn't point that fucker at somebody with a pacemaker. Right. I, yeah, absolutely. Because it's yeah, a microwave thing- gun. It, it, you know, uh, 2.45 gigahertz, those are microwave frequencies, and it's going to disrupt those frequencies and, like, that's going to fuck up everything. Like, if you point that at a cell phone tire, that cell phone tire is not making any calls anytime soon. Right. It it looks like the kind of thing that's designed to, like, take out a Metal Gear, man. Yeah, it does. It's, it, it's like, holy shit. We've got, I mean, we've got scary as fuck robots flying around and giant fucking robot, anti-robot guns. Like... The, the, um, the communication fire, they both look insanely heavy. They do. <laughs> like these are like hardcore weapons like here here's the deal i wouldn't want the net gun pointed at me either or the or the microwave gun and i don't even have a pacemaker don't point that fucking thing at me yeah and that net Jesus. cannon will probably fuck you up like if they miss it it comes down on a crowd like it's, it can't be good yeah it can't be good i'm sure i'm sure it's weighted yeah because you gotta have so something a- to drag it along oh my god and then there's no there's no information probably for like security reasons about um, how many nets this thing holds. Like, do you get more than one shot? And then if you don't, how long does it take to reload it? And all that shit's a mystery. But yeah, the, um, yeah. the jamming gun it runs on like it even it tells you all about the batteries in this thing and they're replaceable. So you can like have two people working in tandem. One holds it on point on the drone and the other one changes the batteries and then they hold it on point until the other person can change their batteries. That's wild. Yeah. I'm not sure which one. I don't think any of it's going to work. I, th- um, I think the answer is, is counter drones, right? That you, you're able to find, have the, all that object recognition shit in a drone and have it zoom off at top speed to just collide with the enemy drone right i mean that's so archaic but it would be probably be pretty effective Ooh, just like we well i guess it's no more archaic than a net gun but yeah man like uh like you said world war three is gonna be real fucking real fucking bleak man goddamn autonomous death death flies oh no it's i mean it's it's the scariest shit and like it's like what you're saying with the pandemic like we all disassociated it but in the early 2000s mid 2000s there was a movie that had i think vin diesel in it they had like him taking on the totalitarian you know future dystopian terrible government that was using all these drones and smart technologies and it's like no that's today that was like 10 years later we had the level of technology that everyone was like yeah we should never have that in the hands of the government and there it is and there it is and everyone just kind of tuned out well i mean what are we gonna do they have they have death drones now just if you don't talk they don't see you yeah (laughs) don't move don't scream yeah fuck dude that's going to be the new horror movie. Since we're on this military kick, um, the government, the U.S. government, is losing guns. And they're showing up in uh, uh, crimes. 
And uh, I've got the graphic here. Let me pull it up. Uh, no, I don't want to print it. I want to look at it. There we go. Okay. So, 1,793 rifles. We got millions <laughs> of rifles. That seems all right. Uh, 694 guns, like handguns. Okay. You know. And they're just gone. They're just gone. Um, and these are, this is the Associated Press, and these are the best numbers they could come up with, and they list all the reasons why this is an undercount. Okay, so now we're getting, we're getting scary. We got 74 machine guns missing. Oh, goodness. Okay, you know, but that's a machine gun. You can get a license to have one of those. What you can't get a license to have is one of the 36 grenade launchers. Uh, or the 34 <laughs> rocket launchers. Or the 25... Um, fucking mortar rounds, and then eleven shotguns, and then seven that's just labeled other. <laughs> other. I want to know about the other. I know. I I couldn't find what the other was, but I mean, like it could like it could be anything. You know, it could be a fucking cruise missile. Yeah, it really could. It could, and it could be like more high tech weaponry, like like an EMP or. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, they, it, have, it could, they have all sorts of crazy shit, you know? you see It, it could on, be one of those radio jammer guns. It could be. You know, yeah. I kind of wish it was. Yeah, someone's going to go out and start taking down the cell towers. Oh, my goodness. So these are just floating around. Yeah. And they're showing up they're showing up at crimes. Do we have any like specific crimes to talk about with that? Yeah, like there was a, a, a Coke bust... And they found, like, uh, a machine gun there that belonged to the government. Um, like, a big drug bust. And then there was something as petty as some dude who was uh, committing a robbery. And he had a, an M9. That's a pistol. You know? Oh, my. And then there were a bunch of other things. And it's just kind of run-of-the-mill shit. And it's just like, how did a government gun get into that situation? And the article goes into it extensively. And basically... You know, there's a few instances of people fucking up and leaving the armory unlocked and some asshole letting himself in. Yeah, I mean, it's a profitable market, the arms market. Yeah, and people, you know, people love military-grade whatever. I'm going to tell you something about military guns. They're only better in the sense that they kind of jam less and they're simpler to service outside. But, like, if you want a superior piece of technology, you want a civilian gun. Like, they're crafted better with, like, precision in mind as opposed to durability. Yeah, yeah. And, like, mass production. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say, a lot of military, I'm sure they're very, like, well-thought-out models. But the, their main concerns, like you would say, would be, like, uh, durability and mass producibility. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So you're not you're not going to get like the finest piece of machinery you're ever going to get. So we've got we've got those factors, you know, driving people to steal them or to buy them, and then we've got a fair amount of uh, soldiers who are just being stupid and risking their lives, you know, like chunks of their lives by stealing these things and selling them or stealing them and giving them away. Yeah, I was going to have to speculate that, it, you know, this is probably the work of, you know, a handful of assholes making money. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, pissed off soldier, like, is like, you know what? Fuck this whole establishment. I want that. I'm going to take it. And then they take it home. One was, one of the pistols was just found in a backyard a few miles away from one of the base that it went missing from. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, wait, I've made a terrible mistake. Let me just toss this into somebody's yard and move on with life. Because yeah, I totally could see a guy getting paranoid. He like He's like, I'm stealing this pistol. I'm pissed off or whatever. And then he's like totally having these paranoid things of like i have to just get rid of this yeah yeah and it because it's like it's like 10 years in leavenworth to steal a fucking gun dude like it's a really big deal what does, yeah i would yeah okay what does I wouldn't, i'm not surprised by that a lot is that the when people come back from deployment um or what's happening a lot when i was enlisted is people would come back from deployment and they'd like just not think about the fact that they have like a set of grenades and a pistol in their backpack and they just go home because they've been carrying around a set of grenades and a pistol in their backpack for like eight months. And so, yeah, it's just sort of normal for them to be doing it. Yeah. But all that shit usually finds its way back. Except for maybe some of it. Except for maybe some of it. And then (laughs) the article goes in later, like when, like if let's say that like a crate of guns falls into a river, right? And the crate breaks open and the guns float down the river. And they don't find them all. Like, those also get counted in the missing, you know, tally of Mm -hmm. some of these agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, oh, the Air Force were a bunch of dicks. They wouldn't release any information at all. They were like, no, we don't lose guns. Fuck off. <laughs> they just refused to fucking talk about it, huh? Yeah, it took so this this report that I'm reading, it took the Associated Press years to put this together and a bunch of Freedom of Information Acts. And the Air Force a couple of times was like, Yeah, we didn't get your Freedom of Information Act. And then they're like, But if you put one in, then we'll release the information to you. And then so they, they put in a third Freedom of Information Act and like, you know, really put the knuckle clamps on like with legal pressure. And then the Air Force is like, yeah, we don't keep records of that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. So what do we do about these missing military guns? I don't know. Like, the the Army guy, or maybe it was the Marine guy, I don't remember. Like, it could have been somebody who worked for the Pentagon. In the article, um, they talk about how we literally, like, as a, as a country in our armed forces, have millions of literal millions of guns oh yeah and I, I, from what that, i understand there's more guns than there are u.s citizens yeah and that yeah like there's strategic reasons for that and blah 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 but the fact that only a few thousand of them have gone missing in recent history that's actually really good we're still talking yeah we're about talking like, like less less than one percent of guns yeah that's i mean they're doing an all right job one gun though was used to kill like four people so Uh, all right is unfortunately not really the um now i mean i'll say this you could call it mental gymnastics if you want but that guy that used a gun to murder four people i mean he would have got one one way or the other right i wouldn't call that gymnastics at all i think Mm -hmm. that that he bought it from somebody who sold fucking illegal guns and, and one of them happened to be a military gun. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the guy who fucking... There were a couple interesting things. There was one guy who got pulled over and he had a fucking grenade launcher in his passenger seat. 
and tries to talk <laughs> his way out of that. And then there was another a recruit who um, took his service weapon and ran to a school bus uh, that was nearby. He was trying to go AWOL, and he held the he made the driver drive off with a with a school bus full of children. Um, threatening to kill them if he didn't get taken away from the military base. He eventually wow. surrendered. But this is the funny thing. They don't give trainees bullets. He did really? the whole thing with an unloaded gun. And the like. The really funny thing is if the bus driver knew anything about guns, he would have seen, or about M16s, he would have seen there was no magazine in there. Like I lost you. A magazine is a clip. I lost you. Did you lose audio? Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, you've gone. You've gone away. Well, I can hear you. Oh, you're back now. Oh, okay. You, right when you just said right when you just said I can hear you. Is there some terrible delay? No, it sounds right. Okay. Okay. We just lost I, I felt like you were going to say something really interesting that I wanted to hear, and then um, everything went haywire. Did you hear about the, the the trainee who took a bus hostage? Yeah, yeah, and then he had blank. He had he didn't have any bullets. Mm -hmm. And what was really funny was, oh, that that um, you know, if somebody knew, if the bus driver had known about, um, you know, about M16s, he wouldn't just got up and beat the shit out of them. <laughs> like, like if somebody comes up to me, like with, with an unloaded, like a clearly unloaded weapon, I'm going to grab it by the charging handle and pull that fucker back to eject any round that might be in it and move the fuck on with life, which at that point would be taking the thing and beating them half to death with it. <laughs> it is a good club. I'd imagine that, you know, it's a good oh, it's club. It's a great club. You just, you just grab it by the, the front and the bottom and you got a butt stock that'll break a rock. Yeah. And like, you know, even poking someone with the barrel, I'm sure would hurt like a motherfucker. It probably would. Yeah. I just, um, I look back at that and I like, in my, um, you know, like my my dilapidated inner soldier is like, what a piece of shit. What a total <laughs> piece of shit. Like this fucking trainee who's been entrusted with, with a firearm goes and tries to use a school bus full of children to go AWOL. He could have just, yeah. like, found some fucking pot and smoked it in front of the drill sergeant. You know, and then just been let go. Yeah. But yeah. he could have just like sat on his hands and not did anything for two days. Yeah. You know, it's, I mean, it's at that point, they, they wouldn't even be a dishonorable discharge. It's just like a get the fuck out and don't come back. He could have took a fucking fat shit during morning routines. Yeah. He could continue to do it on a regular basis. Yeah. Anything but fucking um, traumatizing a school bus full of children. Yeah. Yeah. I what, hope they brought the fucking shit. hammer down on him. Uh, yeah. And you know what? Okay. So part of me goes, well, goddamn, how bad is the military? Well, you're willing to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's pretty you know, bad, man. <laughs> I, I've heard it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, and, and this is the awful mark that leaves on you, right? Like I was, I was just accredited by the community of like the people that I know on a day-to-day -day basis. And we all, 
we were talking about like our views on each other and like I was elected the most kind-hearted person and I just talked about beating somebody within an inch of their life like it was nothing. <laughs> uh-huh. So like that's the kind of fucking war that goes on inside me on a daily basis because I have like my entire social training and upbringing as a human being and the training to kill people. Yeah. It fucks you up, man. Like, I fall asleep trying to fucking reconcile that shit sometimes. Yeah, I, um, I've um i had some friends in the military who not only do they kind of wrestle with similar demons, but they even talk like all their comrades. Like, they'll talk about how, I call them comrades, but you know, the people <laughs> that they went to the military with mm-hmm. will just have this like thing. They're like, it's time to go kill. Like, they can't let go of like of their training that like being an efficient killing machine is, is the thing to do. Yeah. I saw a guy, uh, I was at a, a tourist trap the other day and I saw a guy pull up in a truck and he parked right next to the entrance. So he didn't have to walk and he, he got in and he walked in and as he walked by, I was like, Oh, this guy looks like he's having a hard day. So I was like, Hey man. And it, like the second he said, hello, I was like, Oh, that's a soldier. Like, that is somebody who is currently in the military, and, like, like it just fucking it dripped off of him. It exuded, you know? And it was, like, uh, the level of tension that he had on him was just so fucking high. And, yeah. And it's, like, that is not going to be something that, like, that's him. Like, that's him for a good chunk of his life. He's going to be that way. He's going to have to unlearn it if, if, if he ever has the, like the bravery to like deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that unlearning is really hard and it's never successful. It's an ongoing, you know, I almost said the word mission. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's not something that like you, oh, I did it. Now it's done. Mm -hmm. It's a process that you're continuously engaging in. Um, there was just a, about being able to like, just sense that someone's a soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I used to work at a gas station. Thank God I don't work there anymore. Service is one of the worst jobs ever. Um, but there was a day that a guy came in and saw my boss and similar to how you said he had a big truck and he parked right up front and he just kind of walked in like he owned the place and he just had this like amazing, um, he, I could feel his tension, how tense he was. But then he also had it mixed with like a smug cockiness. Yeah. And and right away I was like, oh, dude, this guy is a soldier. He's actively serving now or was recently. And like he started aggressively because he saw my boss who happened to be um, a Muslim guy from the country of Jordan. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, is that your boss? Yeah. He said, uh, he's a Muslim, isn't he? <laughs> and he... And, like, just proceeded to, like, without saying that fucking Muslim is a traitor and you're a traitor for working for him, made me feel like he wanted to end my life, and I was certain he could. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, dude, I don't ever want to be, like, alone in a public place with this guy. Like, he has such strong ideas about things that he could never, ever see outside of them, for Mm -hmm. one. And for two he is willing and wants to hurt people. Yeah. I felt it. I was genuinely terrified. I've, I've been scared at the gas station. That was the moment that I was most actually scared for my physical health. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, he's not going to attack me now, but this can, might be the kind of fucker that shows up when I lock the doors when I close up at night and just beat the shit out of me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He felt like a psychopath. Now, I've also met plenty of soldiers who were, who were great people, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. this one, so like, the, it mean, dripped off. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, the, it dripped off of him. Yeah, the most kind woman I've ever met in my entire life, I met in the military. For sure. Like, plenty of good people in the military. She was a medic, which I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, it says a lot. And, like, when I, uh, well, I was in a really hard situation not that long ago. And one of the one of the, the people that reached out to me and made my life infinitely better and gave me recognition, she was a therapist, um, was uh, a former uh, uh, intelligence, like, officer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And she, she was undeniably kind. Um, you know what's interesting? And I, I, I might be making this trend up. But I feel like in the field, sometimes what happens with intelligence officers, especially if they're exposed to a lot of the world and a lot of different kinds of cultures and a lot of different points of view, hmm. that it sort of kind of opens them up a bit. Um, I recently remember seeing a thing I, 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 on the internet. It was like Facebook or YouTube. Who knows? You know. But it was a, it was a, it was like a an ex intelligence officer, a lady. She was like, "What you got to understand is like." these people that we call our enemies they think they're the good guys they're literally are just trying to do that the best they can and often you know the people on the ground level they it's they're not like oh let's be evil today mm-hmm. they genuinely believe they're doing what's right for them and their families yeah. and for their country and uh you can sort of tell that she felt that way and understood it because of how much she was exposed to just outside of, uh, you know, one narrow viewpoint. Yeah. Well, that it gives, makes me, it that, makes me wonder. Yeah. And what gives way to the, the conversation about subjective versus objective morality? Like yeah. on paper, yeah. you know, when you look at it, you add up all the fucking, you know, you add up all the columns, you dot all the, the I's and cross all the T's, like, subjective morality is the answer, that's the truth. And then we take that and we look at it and you have people whose subjective morality is to cut off the hands of gay people because they're gay, and that's right to them. And it's, it's as right. right to them as it is reprehensible to us. Right. And, like... And I think, and it's again, because, yeah, subjective morality is sort of the truth of our our reality. Like, we think our morality is objective is sort of the problem. Mm -hmm. Every culture thinks, well, this is the the way, you know? And it's like, what we don't realize is that it is subjective, you know? Like, I'm not saying everyone doesn't realize it, but on a large scale, culturally speaking, a lot of us don't sort of realize that uh, the morality of our culture is entirely subjective, right? Yeah, and and it takes so it takes that exposure to seeing all the different ways things can be. I think to even come, so if you ever ever want to come close to anything like an objective morality, you have to like be able to see what everyone else is doing. Yeah, and see it without judgment. Now, I'm not saying like um, you should be cool with the. The, with the country that's cutting off gay people's hands. 
Mm-hmm. But, w- but what I'm saying is if they were exposed to more culture in, an, in a non-judgmental way, they might change their viewpoint. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think there is sort of like a, a moral center that like as human beings sort of deep in our hearts, maybe we know is right. It's fairness. Fairness. Yeah, that's basically it, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, fairness and like, like try to be, try to be good to people, you know? And like, so I think there is sort of like an objective one, but it, it'll take us like letting go of our subjective moralities to ever get there. I don't know that there is an objective right and wrong. I don't think there um, is. Yeah, not, not on a moment-to-moment basis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. But, like, um, it's probably objectively wrong to, like, shoot a perfectly healthy baby. Um, what if you're living in a spaceship and you have a bunch of people and then this new person, this new baby shows up and you're already running low on supplies like air? I would say that's morally gray. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That kind of gets us to that same kind of concept of that, the trolley problem, right? Yeah. I just, I I just worked up a trolley problem for you. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much, you know, and that's, what's great. That's why I love, cause we all sit there and think like, I'll say something big and stupid. Like there's definitely an objective morality. (laughs) And then all you have to do is be like, okay, which lever do you pull? Mm Hmm. Or do you not pull the lever? And then they're like, is that right or wrong? And it's like, oh, fuck you. Never mind. There isn't one. <laughs> <laughs> but we all sort of know in our hearts what is the right thing to do, sort of. But except for in those situations. You know what gets the, my version of that is? is What's that? Um, people who say, I would never. Oh, yeah, like, I would never. I would never do this. I'd never do that. You know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, nope. <laughs> under the right circumstances, under the right stimuli for the right length of time, You'll do anything. You likely will do it, quite frankly. Yeah. You know, like, your other option is to sit down and go into, like, a catatonic state. And even then, you might snap out of it in a feral animal mode that does that thing you don't want to do. Or you might sit down in that catatonic state, which basically is a state of post-hypnotic suggestion, which might make you more valuable in the long run. (laughs) You know? So, like... Yeah, we could. We're, we can all be pushed to all, like practically any extreme. Yeah. Yep. Uh, like uh, what is it? Like uh, like extent like extreme diarrhea that might cancel your whole show. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, know that might happen. Yeah. It might be. It might be that somebody loses a little bit of shit in the water slide, and then you all go water sliding through it, and then the crew has to like work in the water. And then oh my god, is that what happened? That's I'm trying exactly to find what happened. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. So do you know what show was being? I can't find the article. Do you know what show Ultimate was being? Ultimate Slip and Slide. The name of the show is Ultimate Slip and Slide? Yo. <laughs> okay. So it's one of these fucking ridiculous, like, kind of like uh, sports game shows. Yeah. And someone someone ran a, a Nicky Dookie. Yeah, somebody had... I'm trying to skim the article to see if I can find it. I think it's covered up by an ad. Um, somebody had a, a bacterial infection that causes them to, you know, have diarrhea. 
and a little bit at some point while somebody was going down the slide somebody got a little bit of slippage and um that got in the water and then there's pumps at the bottom that pump the water back up to the top so it just cycled through the entire slide oh my god and then so like everybody gets exposed to that and it's something like 60 people 40 (laughs) people 40 crew members plus the guests had uh giardia (laughs) yeah giardia oh yeah good stuff and like that just shut down production for like a week that's what you get from drinking from the river yeah yeah you catch yourself a little giardia that's where the fish poop oh no i'm just making shit up but that's the joke is that's why you don't drink from the river because that's where fish poop oh okay but yeah but i mean you know you catch though so there might be a connection yeah, there might be because it does have something to do with feces. Um, but uh, it's, you know what? I'd like to say when I've been real, real, real thirsty, mm-hmm. I've just went ahead and drank from the river. Yeah, me too. And I didn't, I didn't get the diarrheas. Now I'm not saying you should do it. No, it's a really bad idea. I also drank out of a chlorinated fountain once because I was in the middle of a city and I was very very thirsty and i could taste the chlorine and i was like i'm doing this (laughs) they don't got a good fucking public uh public service around here ain't no goddamn water fountains yeah oh just drank that chlorinated fountain you know that's for homeless shit really in in public fountains um i've never seen it (laughs) i um i've Uh, never actually seen it for sure but i bet you in san francisco it happens Listen, when I when we were in Eugene being homeless people, uh, it was pretty chill. And we, for, for all in part, we might have been a little me- bit messy, but we weren't dirty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, mean, I was the me- cleanest hobo I knew. What's that? I was the cleanest hobo I knew. I had like a bedroll and everything. I carried all my shit with me. I picked up all my trash. Yeah, I tried to be like that for the most part, except for when I got really drunk, and then I would leave trash everywhere. Yeah. Um, so I was a little messy, but I wasn't like fucking filthy dirty. Well, if you go, if you went to San Francisco around the same time or within a couple of years of that same time period, mm-hmm. I mean, there was hum- there was human feces on the sidewalk. I mean, it was just awful. I, I, I was afraid to sit down. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, God damn! There, I'd be walking. I'd be like, Ooh, here's a good spot to set up my. And there's a turd. Never mind. Yeah, I gave. Yeah. I, I was. Uh, I was part of like a niche community of of like hobo gypsy people. Yeah, and uh, and I had a car which was special. Like there were like three of us with cars and like twenty people. I don't know how things worked. Oh yeah, there was a bus too. Yeah, and, yeah, you were special. Yeah, and so um. I I took uh I took two hitchhikers like two people who met up with the group and then traveled with the group for a little while and they're like yeah we're trying to go to San Francisco and I I bring them from Northern California all the way to San Francisco which is like Central California and we we're on the outskirts of town and I'm like you can wait in the car for the bus but I'm not going into San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> just trust me i'm not getting out man yeah yeah i mean it was a kind of a cool little town but god damn i don't know the the homeless breed there the people that had sort of settled the area 
Mm -hmm. they were just different. They were on a whole other, well, there weren't as many public bathrooms and that's, and that's no lie. You know, yeah. that's when you don't, when you don't have access to public bathrooms, guess what? The homeless people shit outside. We're not King. We're not Kim Jong-un. Okay. We fucking shit. Okay. There's, there's two stories that have to do with Oregon that I have to bring up. I wanted you to bring them up anyway, so let's do it. All right. Bill to legalize human composting signed by Oregon Governor Kate Brown. I mean, there's not... That's the headline. That's the story. Like, mm -hmm. you can now have mm -hmm. your body dumped in the woods. Oh. Sweet. Yeah. I, I'm cool with that, personally. I thought it was talking about human composting like uh, using human shit as manure. No, it's... It's composting a human body. Interesting. Uh -huh. So, so I'm actually now, now I'm way more interested. So, so now basically, in Oregon, if if you put that, this is what I want you to do with my body. There'll be like a designated place in the woods. They drag your ass and let you let you rot out. Yeah. Good. I mean, the the article tries to pretty it up and call it green and eco friendly and call it natural organic reduction and it's like no you let somebody <laughs> rot to pieces in the woods yeah i mean and that is natural there's it a is. you know it's pretty natural it is yeah Just put me under a tree man like yeah i don't need to be i don't need my jawbone fucking brought home by a random dog or something like this is just gonna cause trouble is what's gonna happen <laughs> This is going to cause trouble. There's going to be an, an, an explosion of fucking false murder cases. Yeah. <laughs> well, it ha it'll have to be. Well, they'll have to be a whole, a whole new cottage industry that fucking pops up. Yeah. Because they're going to they're going to the prop. The problem with this is uh, the funeral business isn't going to allow this, man. They're going to say, hey, no, they're going to have they have um, they have like open cemeteries. I can't remember the jargon. Um, but they're, they're zones of, of forest or fields that are owned by funeral homes. Yeah, yeah, precisely. So they're, they're already on it. And you're going to, and you're going to have like people whose jobs it is, is to guard the corpses. So local dogs don't come and chow on it. Yeah. <laughs> just imagine all of the stray dogs in the neighborhood just circling the fence. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, that's some good shit right there, man. I can smell it. <laughs> I can I can smell it. I'm You're letting it go to waste. Good marrow in them bones. Oh, my God. Yeah. Cool, but uh, quite frankly, you know, if, if a mongrel dog were to chew on my tibia after I, I were to, 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 to be dead, I'm cool with that. Yeah, I'm, I think it would be kind of funny. Yeah. Especially if I had a dog and, like, you know, like, after I disappeared and it was all sad, like, you brought a bunch of bones. They just had a <laughs> bunch of bones to chew on for, like, a year. Uh-huh. <laughs> I want my entire skeleton to be slowly fed to my dog over time <laughs> upon my death. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, Yeah. <laughs> I'm pro. I'm pro this. It's gonna cause problems, but I'm pro it. I'm for it. I'm okay with it. You know, I'm not like I'm not losing my mind like I am with the next article. Yeah. <laughs>
Oregon students shouldn't have to prove they can write or do math to get a diploma. Oh. I mean, like, there's a rationale here, but it's not a good one. Is it, um, is it, is it, is this some woke shit? This is some woke shit. I mean, like, I'm all about being consciously aware and, aw and awake, you know, that's pretty cool to, to do that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, uh, you can, you telling me you can, you can graduate high school without, uh, knowing your numbers? Yeah. Basic math or literacy. Um, it's discriminatory I mean, to ask for that. It's basically the gist of it. Yeah, that's what I was getting down to. That's had to be what it is. Yeah, it's fucking Oregon. Um, there's also there's a, a bunch of uh, requirements, problems in Oregon that have been suspended or delayed or deferred. Like, all these laws that all these different groups have made to try to, like, make education better. That when they ask the teachers, the teachers are like, no, this doesn't help. And so, like, they 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 enforce a new set of laws for a year. And then they get, like, sort of repealed for a year with a suspension. And then the suspensions get brought on indefinitely. And this is the latest in an effort to suspend these problems with standardized tests and shit. Oh man! I mean, t to some extent, I can understand uh, that like uh, standardized tests might be like culturally biased. Yeah, sure. Um, you know what's funny about math? Math isn't actually culturally biased. No, it doesn't give a fuck. It doesn't give a fuck. The thing about math is, so you could say, well, this we use a system. You know, there's other people in the world that use different systems for their numbers, and you guess what? doesn't matter what system you use they all work the same yeah binary adds when you do binary addition that shit works just like fucking base 10 addition and if when you do goddamn uh hexadecimal multiplication well guess what that shit works just like base 10 multiplication yeah the fucking the rules that govern how quantities interact with each other do not change regardless of the symbols you put upon I couldn't have said that better myself. And so this idea that math can be culturally biased, it was like, oh, you just don't know enough about math. Yeah. That's okay. I mean, that's understandable. This this is kind of some philosophical shit where you have to understand that, like, the, the, the rules that govern how the quantities interact don't care what the names of the quantities are. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's what's to love about math. Yeah, it's it's literally universal. Uh, now there may be some aspects to math that our you know goddamn cultural mind hasn't yet perceived, and maybe these are some more fundamental core concepts that we could learn. But we're not going to learn them by not enforcing that we learn math. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like you don't you don't get to deeper truths about math by not studying it <laughs> <laughs> you know mm -hmm. fuck uh, but i suspect there's a handful of people that won't even understand what i mean that addition works the same in binary as it does in base 10 there's a there's a handful of people that just don't even comprehend what the fuck i just said there's a lot of people you're you're underestimating the specialization of your knowledge set right now uh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So binary is base two. 
See, how do you count in binary? It'd be zero, one. One, 10, 11, uh, 100. And, uh, okay, after 11, you go to 100, then you go to 101, then you go to 110, then you go to 111, then you go to 1000, 1001, 1010. 1,011, 1,100, 1,101, 1, you know what I'm saying. I, got, I think you've given a, a, a pretty good example. And <laughs> yeah, we all, yeah. Know, I, we all know how to count in base 10 unless you're graduating <laughs> in Oregon this year. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, hexadecimal is the same thing. It's like 0 through 9 plus A, a through a, F. A through F. And, base 16. Yeah. So you, yep. you just count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, A, B, C, D, E, F. And then it's A1, A2, A3, A4. Or, you know, well, actually, it goes straight to 10. It goes to 10. And that's what's the funny thing is, is like um, all those number systems, whenever you break the base and you have to move up to the next stage of the base, it always looks like 10. That's interesting. Yeah. It's always, it's the same concept of what 10 means. 10 means that we've exceeded our base by one digit. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it could be a different symbol, but there's that con. So you could say, well, no, oh, the symbol for that is fucking W. Okay, fine. Then it's W. Do you know what I mean? But that's yeah. going to be the same thing as one then, you know, mm -hmm. like when you, it doesn't matter what the base is you account for one whole set of it by putting a one, the, the representation in one in the next digit. We might be going a little off the rails here, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I think, I think people listen to us because we go off the rails. Okay. The, the, the people that do listen. Yeah. There's like eight of them and I love everyone. Yeah. I, I like all of you a little bit. <laughs> Like, I'm not inviting you to my house yet or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> but but you're cool, though. Shit. All uh, right. So okay. this is a, this is a, uh, a, a one or the other. I'll go with the mystery first. A okay. pair of F-22 Raptors were scrambled from the joint base Pearl Harbor Hickman uh, on Sunday around 4 p.m., followed by a third one later like an hour later followed by a kc-135 which is an in-air fueler which means they were planning on keeping these fuckers in the sky for a long time mm -hmm. and the faa requested them and they didn't explain why and then this this news agency reaches out and um is like hey faa why did you have them launch military fighters into the sky around hawaii and the FAA responds, this is their statement, the FAA has a close working relationship with the military. Best. Ian Grutter, Public Affairs Specialist, Office of Communications, Federal Aviation Administration. That's the whole explanation. So, like, and half of that was just the guy's titles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, who the fuck is the FAA? Federal Aviation Administration. They, they handle all civilian air traffic and policies and okay when because uh, there's a lot of words that just didn't mean anything to me so you gotta you gotta you're gonna have to walk me through this a little bit when you say some uh, some um some fighter jets were scrambled yeah f-22 raptors they're um amongst the most sophisticated war machines in the 
planet. <laughs> okay, now for it to for it to be scrambled, does that mean something hit it and fucked their instruments up? No, scrambled means launched. I mean, like everybody's oh. scrambling on the tarmac to get out of the way of the planes. I think is where the the jargon comes from. Okay, 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 okay. Because that's not intuitive if you don't know. So that so I have this whole thing of like. Uh, we lost contact with them because they were scrambled or okay so okay so okay this means a little bit i can follow a little bit better here so now this aviation administration ordered some planes to just take off for a reason there were and their answer yeah and they're and they kept the, the plans because they sent a fueler with them yeah so something's happening yeah, that fueler could keep three of those things in the air for a very long time because it's the I've seen them. They're fucking huge. They like they're like football field sized. And they're in the sky? Well, the wings make it football field sized. Holy shit, but they carry a shit ton of fuel and that's their main purpose. That is their only purpose. Okay. And the guy said what again? Or the or the representative, it may be enough she I wasn't I didn't catch the name. Um, it's, it's Ian Gro Groger. Okay. This is the whole statement. The FAA has a close working relationship with the military. Best. Doesn't say Stop. best regards. It just says best. <laughs> you, he could be describing the relationship. He could just be like, he could have, he really, it might be a misinterpretation. He might've been like, bet. We got a good relationship with the military. Bet. <laughs> you know? And that's all you're getting from me. Interesting. So there's so, a... But it, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, on this, I'm looking at a map of the tactical... Uh, the inner boundary and the outer boundary of the, uh, the perimeter. So if a plane flies into the inner boundary that's sketchy, or the outer boundary that's sketchy, they automatically send jets out to meet it, right? Like, okay. uh, a few years ago, a guy um, put a towel over his head and forced his way into first class yelling nonsense. And, uh, <laughs> okay. The, the, the flight attendants strapped him down and, and made him, like, subdued him. But yeah, because, that didn't go the way you wanted it to go, huh, Buster? Yeah, but because it could have been a hijacking, they, um, uh, they flew out planes to guide that fucker into Honolulu. Yeah, yeah, some escorts. Yeah, like yeah, which I don't know. I don't know if I'd find that more or less unsettling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, there's some people that are just like comforted by the presence of the military. I, it I am really not. Depends one of, on the day. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It would depend on the day. Um, aliens coming down and take like a violent seizure, like ground war, uh -huh. and the military shows up. I'm happy as fuck to see them. Yeah. But like when I'm on a plane, it's not that like I'm necessarily afraid of the fighter jets that are now escorting us, but that shit would make me nervous as fuck. Well, they're there to blow you up so you don't fly into a building. Yeah. Right. <laughs> See, we know that. <laughs> yeah. I actually hadn't really thought about what their main purpose was. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. No, they're there to kill you in case things go, uh, go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of there's a lot of military readiness built around that because they had a chance on September eleventh to blow up one of those planes and they just didn't. And it 
cost a bunch of people their lives. Oh, uh, one of our listeners, I am going to totally just go to the other side of the spectrum here. Okay. One of our listeners uh, hates when we talk about pot, so let's talk about how GM is thinking about stopping pot testing. <laughs> well, um, I have a little bit of a hostile relationship with this listener. Okay. Well, I don't know why they. <laughs> nope. I'm not going <laughs> to say it. I want them to keep listening. <laughs> They will. They will out of out of pure hatred. Um, right. <laughs> so GM's going to stop pot testing because they want to get more workers, right? Yeah, and I mean it's really it's um it's only a few hundred workers. Like it's a few hundred workers at two locations. And um, okay, so it needs to fire fire it needs to hire four hundred and fifty temporary part time employees at Flint and another two hundred and seventy five at Fort Wayne. And they can't seem to do that anymore because... With pot's legal. Pot's legal and everybody's getting high. And then, oh yeah, the uh, the base pay, the maximum... Sorry, not the base, but the maximum amount they can work because of union rules is uh -huh. 16.67. Ooh. Yeah, you're not going to get anything but potheads with that anyway. Yeah. Listen... If you're trying to tell me I can't smoke the sweet Chiva and you're only going to pay me fucking sixteen seventy five an hour, I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. I'll take the pot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get out of here with that shit. Yeah. And this is if I, this is my mixed feelings about unions being exposed. Yeah. It's the union that did that to them. The union won't let temporary workers get paid more than sixteen sixty seven. Oh yeah, I know. That's totally right. Yeah, and that's yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at it. It's not a fucking assumption. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I know from just the little time I spent with unions, they're they're not so pro anyone outside of the union getting paid well. Yeah, yeah. Which is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you better fucking join the union. Mm -hmm. God damn it. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings about unions as, at unions as well. Um, the worker definitely deserves his share for the work he does. And, you know, institutions that stand up for those workers' rights, in theory, are great things. Um, but then also, isn't it like essentially unions are kind of like, um, whatchamacallit, uh, gangs? Yeah, I mean, kind of. You know, they're kind of like, um, almost like not that dissimilar from the mafia in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay your protection money. I mean, your your union dues. Yeah. Um. What What was I bringing up here? Okay, I'm going to tell a seedy story about unions. Okay. I once worked as a temporary worker for a job that was primarily union based. I got picked up by like one of those you know temp labor labor companies mm -hmm. that ship you around to different different factories and different different spots. And it was like, um, I don't know, it was like a, a, a warehouse for like construction materials. I think a lot of what we handled went to Home Depot. Um, my job was cutting uh, rebar. Rebar is like reinforcement steel often used in concrete structures. Uh, usually like you create like a webbing of rebar and then pour the concrete with it. And uh, so I'm cutting rebar to various lengths for like commercial use. And I'm I'm a temporary worker, and sometimes there would be a third worker on our on on my on my station. Uh, there was mostly two of us, but sometimes there'd be a third one, 
and uh, often the union worker I worked with was this real cool black guy. He was chill. I was chill. We mostly didn't talk except for if we were cracking jokes to make the other person laugh, right? And But there was also this big oafish man who reminded me of the Andre the Giant of... <laughs> From uh, you know, from the Princess Bride, yeah. but if he were u uglier and stupider, oh, and uh, so there was okay, there was a day me Andre, me Andre and Andre the Giant are working, and a third temp worker shows up. It's a third worker, and he's a new, he's another temp worker, and we're stacking little little bundles of rebar. We're cutting them pretty short, and we got these heavy little bundles. They probably weigh fucking sixty to seventy pounds a piece, um, and we're stacking those things on a pallet, and. Uh, one of the edge, one of the edges wasn't on there good. It was not on there very well at all. And I told the guy, hey, like, let's just stack this one on top. And he said, no, they got to be five by five. And I said, you know, the other guy said it's more important that it's safe. And we just get the right amount on the pallet is more important than anything. And he said, no, we're doing it like this. Well, the very next uh, bundle they dropped down, the loose bundle fucking falls on the new guy's foot. Oh, shit. You know? And uh, it was kind of a big deal. His foot swelled up real bad. I'm pretty sure he broke his foot. I couldn't really get any real news about it. Um, a union man came and interviewed us, and I told him exactly what happened, mm -hmm. just like I told you now. And at some point, I was pulled into the boss's office or one of the foremans, and he said to me, he said, um, the union guy's going to come talk to you again. Now, you would say that uh, that thing fell on that guy's foot because he was being irresponsible, right? <laughs> and I said, uh, no, it, it happened because I told the guy the one thing was loose and he wouldn't listen to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and he repeated himself. He said, <laughs> uh, he said uh, that thing fell on that kid's foot because he was being irresponsible, right? And I said, let me make sure you heard me. <laughs> it, it, it fell because your union guy wasn't listening to reason and wasn't being responsible okay and uh, i was fired the next day yeah yeah absolutely i i worked that one last day and then like towards the middle of it he was like uh this is your last day a guy came in while we were and told me it was my last day and uh I proceeded not to really do anything for the rest of the day. <laughs> you know? Fuck you. <laughs> you're right. And, and, you know, at least dangle the carrot in front of me that you're going to start paying me union fees. You know? Yeah. He didn't even dangle a carrot. Come on. It's if you just... want me to be corrupt, you got to fucking give me something for it, you dummy. <laughs> he just uh, expected you to be a dumb temp worker. Yeah. I, got, yeah. I used to work for GE in a, one of their assembly plants. And I got, um, my wrist started to hurt. And then, like, I went to the doctor, and they're like, yeah, your your wrists are fucked now because you were, the, the nature of the work you're doing, you got a repetitive injury. Yeah. And so I, I, I don't remember exactly what the process was, but eventually I get interviewed by these people who work for GE, and they're like, look, if you, um, I needed the job. And they're like, if you are saying that your wrists are hurting, then we have to fire you and you haven't worked here long enough to have a repetitive motion injury so we won't compensate you so do your wrists hurt and oh. i needed the fucking money so i was like you know they're a little sore but they'll be okay yeah yeah absolutely i got more ibuprofen in my back pocket uh-huh uh, yeah and i, I honestly should like have done the same later. thing 
What's that? I got fired like two weeks later because there were a group of people. There were there were like these three ladies that would just pick a temp and talk shit about them until they got fired, and it was how they felt powerful. Yeah, dude, these environments can be really crazy, especially when you're a temp worker and you have no like, uh, you know, no seniority at all. Yeah. Yeah, you're essentially expendable. I um I got fired from another temp job because uh I worked on like a packing line. Uh-huh. And I was at the end of the machine where we were getting the final product and we were stacking it on pallets. And uh somebody had a fumble and there was a bunch of boxes that fell and the lady who pushed them through the machine that did the final taping to get them to us started uh-huh. shoving them through as fast as she could and laughing. <laughs> uh you know what I'm saying? Because she just loved that the chaos was happening. And uh, I got fired because I shut the machine off on her. And uh, my good friend who was working there got fired because he called her a dumb bitch. <laughs> and we, were both, <laughs> we were both let go that day. Uh, but yeah, like she had sort of needled us. Like she loved needling the stacker guys. Like just whatever she could do to like make it harder on us. I got fired uh, from, uh, since we're talking, this is apparently a topic. Yeah. Uh, I got fired from working for Kettle Foods because I wouldn't crawl inside their giant microwave oven. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Thanks. No, thanks, boss. <laughs> yeah. He was like, like, like it was in standby mode and the doors were open, you know, like they had the service hatches. He's like, go in there and clean that out. And I was like, what if somebody closes the door? And like, you know, doesn't know better and they hit the button, I start being microwave, but there's no way out. And he's like, Yeah, that's not gonna happen. And so like, um I still didn't get in. I was like, if you turn it all the way off, then it'll then I'll go in. And he's like, That takes thirty minutes to turn back on. And I was like, Well, then I'm not going in the oven. Yeah. That was and how much are you how much are you paying me and you have the fucking gall to ask me to do this shit? Yeah, it was like eleven bucks an hour or something. Right. And that was, I'm gonna, you know, that was like a lot to me. Uh, well, I know. I, and I, I understand that that is a lot, but it's not um, my life a lot. I know. Two, two fives and a one. Um, you know, there's a lot of shit I would do for two fives and a one. Let me tell you. But <laughs> uh, fucking crawling into a giant microwave that is still turned on is not one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I'll fucking sing you. I'll sing you wagon wheel for 11 bucks and that's my worst nightmare (laughs) you know so fuck that all right all right well i think i think this concludes our show i think we did yeah let's crawl into a giant microwave and say goodbye (laughs) (laughs) do we want to plug before we go do we want to plug our discord yes our website we yeah, have, we have somewhat hyphen. That's like a minus sign. Somewhat hyphen competent dot uh, com, and that's where I post things where you don't have to log in to listen to the show, so you don't need Spotify or whatever the hell else we're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, then, it's it's just like a nice little home for you and us to be. In the upper right hand corner of the website, there's a button that says "We have a Discord," and you click that, and it brings you to a page with a link to Discord. Yeah, and uh, right now. He's an admin now, right, Inko? Yeah, Dr. Inko Toboggins, goes by Inko, is our independent researcher and memologist. Uh, he's where I get a fair amount of the stories that I get. 
Yeah, actually, if you're just wanting to read interesting news stories, like he has the Discord well populated with stuff. Yeah. And every, memes. Every week, it's a thankless job, and we and he still does it. Yeah, and we really appreciate it. I I, I wish um, he's such a mystery to me. He speaks mostly in memes and and crypto bots. <laughs> yeah, and I'm intimidated. It's almost like his, as if though he is some strange wizard behind the curtain. Yeah, and I wouldn't even begin to know what to say to said wizard. He's with the with the extent that he is able to post content to our Discord. I believe he might be an octopus. <laughs> okay. Yeah, he's got got different tentacles, different doing things at different times. You know. Yep. Yep. Running like eight different computers. Yeah. Do you know an octopus has a brain in each arm? They got nine fucking brains. Inko has ten. <laughs> and you know where the tenth one is at. <laughs> <laughs> that was my worst joke ever. That was pretty good. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a good spot to end right there. Yeah, let's cut it.